0: You are tuning into Pro Bono Perspectives, live from Brooklyn, where the city never sleeps and purpose is more than just a buzzword. Pro Bono Perspectives brings together leaders that have traveled across sectors, industries, and experiences on their path to creating change for the communities in which they live and work. And I'm your host, Danielle Holly, CEO of Common Impact, a national nonprofit that designs skills-based volunteer programs that amplify the impact of social change organizations by harnessing the talents and the skills of private sector employees. I am lucky enough to cross paths with these leaders every day through my work with Common Impact and can't wait to bring you behind the scenes to share their stories. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Pro Bono Perspectives. Before we dive into our episode today, I want to take a moment to acknowledge something that has been on my mind and in the headlines over the past year. And that's the stories that are emerging of nonprofit leaders and cultures that have perpetuated some of the bias and sexist and racist practices that we need to leave in the past. And that often we purport as a sector to be trying to push against and solve ourselves. And sometimes this happens in big headlines, certainly most visibly, like it did with Wounded Warrior and Coleman and more recently Do Something and now United Way. But mostly this happens in small and subtle ways that never make it to typeface. I just chatted in our last episode with May Cobb of United Way. Amazing story, amazing woman, and you all need to listen to it. And... As the headlines about United Way's leadership and, in particular, its CEO's retaliation against women surfaced at the same time that that episode was coming out, there were folks that rightly were coming to me to ask me if I had questions about showcasing a nonprofit that was under this type of scrutiny and that had a culture that was seemingly harmful. And ultimately, my answer was no. You know, I thought about it and. Ultimately, for a few reasons, it continues to feel right to talk to leaders and organizations that are faced with these challenges. And a couple of reasons. One, I think we need to be more transparent and more critical as a sector in looking at ourselves and in telling the real stories and tensions and contradictions of our work. The nonprofit sector so often gets off the hook. Because we position ourselves as being at the forefront of social justice issues, and often we are. But as an example, we have just as much of a diversity challenge in our leadership, staff, and boards as the private sector does. And the second is that we need to learn to separate this concept of bad leaders and bad organizations we know that organizations and cultures are so much more nuanced than who is at the top, right? And sometimes a bad leader equals a bad organization, but so much more often it doesn't. And the programs that are being run are really meaningful. And the individuals and the staff members who are running them are really conscious and purpose-driven leaders, even if they are not leaders in name or in title, and writing off those organizations, I think is one of the worst things that we can do as we try to get better and stronger as a sector. So if you're listening, if you agree, I urge you to reach out to me to be in touch about the stories that you'd like to share that can help us learn and grow as a sector. If you're listening and you disagree, I urge you to push back and to argue and to walk into those uncomfortable conversations with me and with our listeners and with our guests. That's such a critical part of the work that we want to do together and the reason that this community exists. But for now, not an uncomfortable conversation, inspiring one that we have for you. Today, we're kicking off our Black History Month special. And for us, that's not about simply elevating Black voices, but it's about thinking back on how Black Americans have defined and are defining our history. My guest today helps us do just that. Dolores Morton is the CEO of Step Up, a mentorship nonprofit that supports girls in fulfilling their potential by empowering them to become more confident, college-bound, career-focused, and ready to join the next generation of professional women. And indeed, I found this stat amazing, and we talk about it. Most girls that enter Step Up's programs are not on track to graduate, and after the program, 98% do. 98% graduate. It's incredible transformation. We talk about the concept of volunteerism and why it shouldn't be a concept but a way of life. We talk about her childhood growing up on a farmhouse in the bayous of Louisiana and what it meant to her and to her mentees to see Kamala Harris sworn in as vice president in January. Dolores, thank you so much for joining me today. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me, Danielle.
0: So your career has been really rooted in volunteerism, which we love here at Common Impact. You began your career as an AmeriCorps member in your hometown and have been in leadership positions at City Year and Points of Light and the Louisiana Association for Community Economic Development. Say that five times fast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Tell us what drew you to volunteerism. How did you get to where you are today?
1: You know, I think volunteerism is just a part of my ethos. So I'm from a small town on Louisiana's Gulf Coast. So a picturesque landscape filled with sugarcane plantations and antebellum homes and trees heavy with Spanish moss and slow moving bayous. And it was in Louisiana on that foundation um, that my foundation for volunteerism was poured. My father is a preacher. We spent, and I'm the oldest of six children, and so we spent a lot of time as kids doing what we didn't know was volunteer work, whether it was visiting a senior center um, and bringing gifts or visiting members of our congregation in the nursing home or supporting other members in the community that might've been in need. So it just was natural um, and a part of who I was and the example set by my parents that kind of led me to a career in service and in volunteering. And then starting off as an AmeriCorps member in my hometown actually helped me formally to see the needs in my community in a different way. So needs that I didn't know existed as I was growing up. And that was how AmeriCorps actually became the real launchpad for the career that that I've had that has been just so rewarding. And I, I look back at all the ways I've been able to make Make good things happen for people in my communities, for families, for companies. And I'm just really feel so privileged to have had this career. I love that concept this idea
0: that it wasn't volunteerism. We have made volunteerism and service to our community something distinct right and we have to because it doesn't happen naturally anymore it's not part of our infrastructure and community in the way that it used to be but of this idea of i know a lot of the organizations like points of light is trying to get us back to this place where it's not something you do distinctly from your work and life but it's just part of your work and life and i really love that concept and it sounds like you very much grew up in that
1: Mm -hmm, mm-hmm Mm-hmm yeah it's a, and we think about it's it was natural because it was the kind of community i grew up in the kind of household even as we think about the future. I've been doing some reading, working right now in a youth service organization about how do we define success? And 21st century success really is not only about how you, what your career goals and getting the right education, but 21st century success now is, it does include what am I doing for my community? How am I showing up in my community and so it's it becomes bigger than success for me when success now becomes a part of is defined by success in the community success in the world for for me success that this road was the right a combination of hard work and a network of champions other people who were volunteers in my own life and it helped me to to get here
0: here right now for you as the CEO of Step Up, which like everything that you've just articulated, that success is not just about success for you, but success of your community. That's what mentorship is all about, right? Is reaching down and bringing young people up towards success as well. What what does good mentorship look like for you? How would you describe that?
1: As I look back at my own life, I think about the mentors that I've had and they have shown up for me as an advisor and as a confident, not as an all-knowing authority figure. And that is a kind of the baseline practice that we espouse at step up. But mentors show curiosity about mentees and their interests and experiences. They um, mentors practice active listening. They ask open-ended questions, you know, instead of yes and no questions, mentors are comfortable with silence. And they have have to know that building trust a mentoring relationship is a trusting relationship and they have to know that building that trust actually takes time and tell us i saw a a
0: statistic about step up that was just striking which is before entering the program, typically half of participants are not on track to graduate. But with the Step Up Mentorship Program, 98% do. That is remarkable. How do you think about those outcomes? What What do your programs look like? How do you bring girls through a transformation like that?
1: First of all, I feel tremendously pleased and proud of those outcomes, but I do recognize that Step Up is just a part of the fuller ecosystem that helps to make this turnaround possible. Step Up believes that all girls should have the opportunity to fulfill their potential. And we want to surround girls with others who believe the same thing. Our programs are free for girls and for young women ages 14 to 25. And we include mentorship. And some of that mentorship is group-based. So we want girls to have as many mentors and women as a part of their social capital circle as possible. Um, But we, so we have mentorship that is group-based and then transitions to individual one-on-one base. We have conferences and workshops and workplace visits. So experiences that, that girls and young women can have in the workplace, which exposed them to careers that they may not even have known existed. And I I grew up in a community, I, I think it took many years for my father to really understand my career path and what I did for a living because I wasn't a teacher or a social worker or a nurse or a doctor, a career that they could put a clear label on and understand. So spending my entire career in the nonprofit sector was something that I hadn't been exposed to a lot of as I was um, growing up and, and building my own framework. And so we want to create more opportunities for young women and girls to explore what career opportunities look like. Our programs cover critical skills like managing emotional well being, building resiliency and confidence, and then identifying and honing the, the skills for their future careers. We know that when their skills are sharpened and they have access to a broader community, then teens become ready to become the next, next generation of leaders, whether it is in, in the classroom, in the boardroom, or at the White House, wherever yeah. they are, wherever they, they find their path.
0: Well, and that is, it's so present in my mind right now, right? These girls being able to see themselves in positions of power to see those role models. And I know, as a grown white woman, the power of Kamala Harris ascending into the vice president role was so incredibly powerful. I can't even imagine what it was like for women of color and girls of color to see her and her nieces standing in the White House. How do you think about that? How do you think about that exposure and what that means? And is that part of what Step Up is trying to do and build into its programming? would be curious what your take on that is.
1: Yes, at Step Up, we frequently refer to the mantra, you can't be what you can't see. and We, we refer to that, but that is not the foundation of what we want, because we want girls to not only be what they can see, but to imagine things that they can't see. We know that the careers of the future may not even exist now. And so we believe that an important part of our work is connecting girls to mentors who look like them and are working in a myriad of careers and roles. I was lucky to attend schools with teachers and administrators who um saw my potential and nurtured it along my professional journey I was I had supervisors colleagues and others in my network who took a chance on me and gave me freedom to learn And to make mistakes. But growing up, there weren't any women around me who had taken the same career path that I do. But what they did do was instill in me a belief that I could aim high. And these Black women are still a part of my life and my story. So success. I think the other thing that I take with me and that, that moment of inspiration, seeing first woman of color take the oath of office as vice president administered by the first Latinx Supreme Court justice was so powerful for me. And, and it just reminded me of the how my success has opened doors for me and created spaces for me at tables and in rooms that I would not have previously been invited or even welcome. And that is a responsibility for me. So in that moment of absolute pride and joy, I also felt a bit of a burden and responsibility and the burden and responsibility that Justice Sotomayor and Vice President Harris feel that many young women, especially black women, who might be interested in leading in social impact, see me as a role model and as an example. And this is an honor and I can imagine that vice president and the justice feel the same way. It's an honor to to be in these spaces, but it's also a tremendous responsibility, not just as a black woman, but as all women feel this, as we want to be trailblazers for the future, that history is being made every day. And what's the, what's gonna be my role and how am I gonna, going to help to, to to bring other young women along with me? And I know, speaking
0: of you being a role model, which was like a really apt title. You were honored by President Obama as a 2012 champion of change. I can't imagine what that moment must have meant to you. H- how do you think about what that means both being honored by President Obama but also what does
1: that term mean to you champion of change? So I'll say that moment was pretty special and uh, the the first part is that I wasn't I, none of the work I did or I do is be, is in, in search of recognition or awards. So when you can't recognize for just doing what you do and for being who you are, there's something even more special in it that I wasn't you know I didn't train to get to become a champion that I just am and it's a part of my ethos and a part of who I am and how I've lived my life so it was it was it was a special moment and I think about being a champion of change is that we live in a world that is ever changing and, and I want to be a champion for for good changes a champion that is bringing about more opportunity and meaning for, you know, for more people. I want, I want everyone, you know, every young woman, you know, regardless of her circumstance, her zip code, you know, her, 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 whether she is grew up in foster care or her mom is incarcerated or, you know, whether she deals with food insecurity, I want every young woman to know that she has potential in her and that she has, and, and, and that the, opportunity to to be successful is exists for her just as much as as it exists for the next person. But I want her to be able to see it and have the resources and access. And, you know, I, I know that that access and that opportunity is not equal. And how do we, you know, I struggle. I don't feel like I'm a champion until the problem is solved. So as much as it was good to have that moment of recognition, the work still needs to be done, you know, and so that's a uh, that 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 was a moment where I was like, I'm, I'm not done, you know. So, give me give me more flowers later in life when when <laughs> these problems. That's an Keeping on, keeping on, keeping on, keeping on. Yeah. Keepin
0: so, what did that work look like this past year for you? So, we're talking in February of 21. We're almost a year into the pandemic, and I know in my conversations with other nonprofit leaders, particularly those in mentorship and education, the toll of the lack of digital access and also just the mental health toll uh, on kids and teenagers has been really significant and would love to hear what that looked like for you. How did you think about that as a a leader of this organization?
1: our community of teens and young women are experiencing trauma, you know, and so whether it was the COVID lockdowns, virtual education, murder of black Americans, you know, all of these things kind of came together and, and at a, at, at a, the worst moment, right? It was the worst of us, and America is experiencing trauma, and I think teens and young women are experiencing trauma at even greater rates. Um, it has um, you know had a profound impact on um, on the women that we work with, the young women and girls we work with, and we are all living through these traumatic events, but we keep putting keep on keeping on. we just keep putting one foot in front of the other and um, showing up, showing up for ourselves, showing up for our girls, showing up for our communities, and for each other. And and at Step Up, we talk about the fact that although there is little we can directly do to control these events, one thing we we can do is help share the burden, um, and offer solace and relief, and you know, and focus on hope rather than fear. Um, and so toward this end, Step Up has been offering free virtual mentorship programs for young women. Um, we Our programs cover critical skills like managing their emotional well-being. Um, and now that we are virtual, we've been able to open our programs to any young girl um, from around the country or even around the world. And one of the things we've been intentional about as we talk about the access to technology is that girls can access our programs using mobile devices um, because we know that a computer or Wi-Fi, even if there's a computer in the household, in some households, it's not private and um, I I don't always have access to it. So the mobile phone, being mobile friendly has been even more important for us. Um, And and helping, looking at our work as, is helping to provide meaningful connections in a time when young people feel isolated um, and, and ill-equipped to to deal with the challenges in front of them. So just knowing that Step Up is there and that we have a community of mentors. We've not had any trouble getting women or mentors in general to, say, to raise their hands in this moment. They have been, our mentoring community has been just, you know... Our cup is full um, in that regard. And
0: how has your like what's your experience with the corporate sector on this front right now? I, and not specifically your corporate partnerships, but in general, I think the corporate response to the events of the past year has been much more vocal than crises and trauma of the past, right? particularly with, black lives matter and the murdering of black americans and the f- the flexibility we saw with some grants and partnerships given the covid context do you see that continuing or do you think this is a blip in time
1: i hope it continues i, I you know i i think that it's easy to have those moments and not sustain the, the momentum and so we we watch social media you know have, have have come to life and then we move on to the next thing and I, I don't want us to feel like as a country because you know we've had an administration change that the work is done and so uh, I I saw in in our corporate partners I'll say one of the things about Step Up is that we know our demographic of girls. 97% of the girls that are parts of our program identify as being from a community of color. And that may not have been something that's data that Step Up had, but we didn't necessarily, you know, lead with that data. And I think that this, this was an opportunity for us to talk about you know, the the disparities. Yes, we want all girls to to advance and have opportunity. But the truth is that, you know, girls of color actually have a harder path forward. And, And our corporate partners, I think, were you know, felt even better. So some of them deepened their engagement with us when we were able to be transparent about, you know, here's what we have, here's who we are and who we serve. And I think that it it helped to deepen some of our engagement with the companies that were sustained and were able to continue with their philanthropic investment and they have also wanted to to connect to be more connected as mentors and um in a company that may not have we we did a, a few events where we wanted specifically mentors as women of color you know and, and and often you know our girls might walk into a room and not see anyone that looks like them and women of color as mentors from corporate america have shown up even even greater and i think that from a corporate perspective the companies are seeing saw that kind of response, and I think they are going to want to sustain the infrastructure that they've built in this moment to to help help women of color in the workplace, both to be advocates within the workplace for themselves, but also to to be external facing and show up for, for teens and girls everywhere.
0: Yeah, it's certainly been my experience as well. I mean, I was concerned that it was a blip in time. <laughs> and I do think the headlines are starting to fade in a way that feels problematic but i have seen companies really respond in force and there's a reality to the resources they bring to bear and the percentage of employees that they have right that uh, that's a really powerful force as they start to build structures around this and i'm sure you've had really close optics into this but in volunteerism and skilled volunteerism it's a very white sector not just the leadership of the organizations that are working here. But, you know, to volunteer is a privilege. If you're going to be able to spend an hour and not get paid, you need to have the privilege to do that, right? And have been, had a lot of really interesting conversations with companies to start to break that down and make sure to what you just said, right? That the volunteers and the mentors that are being connected to these girls, to these organizations are... Are coming from that same background experience set, so I think I think we're making progress. And as you said, long way to go, right? Keeping on, keeping on, as the theme. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So, to that, bringing this from the institutional, systemic uh, point of view to the individual, how can women get involved with Step Up? How can they? be part of these programs, it sounds like you can engage from early career professionals to very senior leaders. What What should listeners who want to get involved do?
1: Thank you for asking that. In addition to being a nonprofit and focusing on the needs of girls, we are also a membership organization and invite women in any stage of their life to become a member of the organization. And and that's, we make it really affordable, an annual donation starting at just $75. And we want them to feel connected to our work. And whether they come to us because they want to mentor the next generation of women or because they want to network among our membership and grow their own career, we welcome them. So we're all a part of a national network that is investing in, in the women of the future And they can visit us at um, suwn.org to get started. Similarly, we we look for corporate partners to share our vision of a world where girls can claim their seat at the table. And we offer employee engagement opportunities for for our corporate partners partners and so whether it is sharing a a job opportunity with if you're looking specifically to to hire we have a job board that is for step up alumni specifically so there are lots of different ways to to engage with us from your company or as individual women or just reach out to me to explore a partnership so visit visit our website reach out to me directly I'm happy, as you know, we we like to talk to our our partners and the community when we have a chance.
0: And when you look into a crystal ball and think about what's next for you, what's next for the organization in this coming year, what would you point to? What are the big themes for you?
1: We, you know, we last year, 2020 was a year where we tested and piloted a lot of new things. And I want us to, I believe that we're going to double down on some of the things that we've we've tested, things like our experience ship program that was, you know, it's how do you modify or modernize internship uh, models and in in a virtual environment and create more opportunities for experiences like that. So, I imagine that we're going to go deeper on some of the things that were were test and in and, and pilots in 2020 and really formalize um, more of those programs. We are moving. Our programming had once been focused only on high school students, and going forward, we're we'll, we're leaning into that that 18 to 25 year old young woman who is you know, pursuing her post-secondary academics or is, you know, taking her first job. And so providing mentoring for that early career and academic experiences after high school. So those are some of the things that, that are coming in 21 and that we're building on for the future of Step Up. What is the best part of your day? part of my day I am Except a from you person. being in Southern
0: California in <laughs> freezing 60 degree weather
1: <laughs> <laughs> right um I, I'm a morning person Danielle so a natural morning person I like the quiet hours before meetings begin because I spend that time collecting myself collecting my thoughts you know finding inspiration Um, But on days that I'm able, that I know that I'm going to connect directly with the girls and the community that we support at at Step Up, the morning hours are still exciting for me, my favorite part of the day, because it's this buzz of excitement um, and anticipation. So I think I'm a morning person because I grew up, you know. On the bayou with chickens and you know or morning animals, so a little bit of the farm girl in me makes me just wake up without an alarm clock at 5:30 every morning. So no alarm, just my body's like ready to go. Nature and nurture combined. Yeah, right? good stuff. <laughs> with, yes, yes.
0: Well, thank you so much, Dolores, for joining me today and giving us just a quick peek into the work that you're doing. It really um, striking how meaningful it is and how humble you are and just grateful that you took a little time to share your story with our audience.
1: Awesome. Thank you for having me,
0: Danielle. Thanks so much for listening to Pro Bono Perspectives today. If you like our show and want to learn more, check out our website at commonimpact.org. Leave us a review and tell your friends and colleagues about us. Tune into our upcoming episodes to hear from everyday leaders using their skills to help their communities.